I want you to get ready to turn with me um, to the book of Judges, the book of Judges. I, I, I'm going to use a lot of scripture. I promised somebody last week, I said, listen, if you're here next week, next week's going to have some, some meat left on the leg bone. So for those of you that came looking for a little meat today, you're going to get some meat. But at the same time, in order for me to tell this classical Christian story, I really need about four different chapters, which means there's going to be a whole lot of scripture to allow Pastor Chad, who's done a wonderful job of facilitating leading in us to the presence of God today, doesn't have to stand so long. I'm going to read five verses of scripture, and then we're going to jump in to what God has for us this morning. Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Give you a few moments to get there. Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, the New Living Translation says this, and again, the children of God, Israel, just go ahead and say you, you, me, we did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord in his discipline, in his righteousness, hands them over to a cruel taskmaster, the Philistines, who oppressed them for a period of 40 years. And in those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. And the angel of the Lord came and said, your wife will soon become pregnant and have a son. So be very careful. You must not drink wine or anything that's alcoholic or eat anything that is forbidden as food goes. You will become pregnant and you will give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut for he will be dedicated to the Lord as a Nazarite from his birth and he will be used of God to rescue Israel from their cruel taskmasters, the Philistines. Father, today, thank you for this classical Christian tale a tale that we get to share today, a tale that we get to preach today, a tale that gets to speak to us from you today. God, I pray that your spirit and your anointing would do just that. Speak to every man, woman, boy, and girl where they're at and where they have a need. The high and haughty and prideful places of all of our lives, may you cut down. And the places where we're weak in faith and poor in spirit, would you build us up and make us strong? I ask it all today. In Jesus' name, if you would agree with me for anything like that to happen over the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes of your life, would you give God a great big amen? Now, I mentioned a moment ago that on some of your seats, um, there may have been some party favors. There, there may have been some pom-poms. There may have been some hand signs. There may have been some footballs. I, I don't know exactly what's next to you. The Heart for the House invitation is important. Please pick up your ticket. Be here next Sunday morning, a.m. and p.m. It's going to be a great day, and we're excited to share. But next to some of that, there should have been some party favors or some Oaks Bowl paraphernalia. If you've got some of that, I need you to raise that up real high right now. Come on, just wave it like you just don't care. All right? I, I, I think there, there, there probably ought to be a few more signs than that. Has anybody got the signs? Okay. All right, just hold the signs up for us. All right? It's the fourth quarter. Does everybody see this one right here? See this one, finish strong. The other one says, play to the whistle blows. I want you to forever remember this sign at Oaks Church as Oaks Church language. This is Oaks Church lingo that should remind you every time you ever see it that the whistle has not blown. There's still a quarter left to play. 
You're still in the game. God's doing more than you think he is. You're not as far gone as you believed you are. God is still working on you. Get back in the game. Play till the whistle blows. Today, I want to tell you a little small story as we get in to this message this morning. When I was a young man, a youth pastor, young adults pastor, used to travel all over the Southeast, really, really, but even other places as well, speaking at youth camp, I used to have this one message, and, and it was just a home run. It was just something that really spoke to the kids. And so before I would ever preach it, I would just say to the kids, now listen, if, if I say something under the anointing that really speaks to you, and it, and, it, and it resonates in your heart, and you feel the Holy Spirit, I want you to just fold your arms and, and put a stank face on like And I said, and, and, and if it really gets good and the Holy Spirit really starts speaking to you and starts dealing with something, I want you to get a napkin. Hand, hand me a napkin right there, Pastor Rhonda, if you don't mind. I want you to get a napkin next to you because we were always in adult churches. And in those days with pews, because I was younger then, and in those days where they had little Bibles and pens and napkins, everything all at the back or the chairs or at the end of the row, the kids used to, and I say, stand up and make a stank face and start waving that handkerchief like your grandma. And I said, now, if it, if it really gets good to you, I want you to get up, make a stank face, wave your napkin, and just take your shoes off and start throwing your shoes. <laughs> See, I, I knew that was coming. I guess that was somebody that was in some of those meetings. And before that message would be over, before the Holy Spirit would finish shucking that corn, it'd be, be 13-year-olds in there standing there like Big Mama with the stank. They had napkins, and everybody in there was shoeless. I was preaching like this, like I was a duck trying to miss steel shock. They were just throwing shoes everywhere. I don't know if them kids ever got all their shoes back. Well, just uh, taking a play out of that book today, I just thought if at any point in time some of the classical tale of the story of Samson starts speaking to you, that, that in, 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 in lieu of being a hollaback church this morning, and in, in lieu of being an amen church, which I'm, I welcome you to hollaback, or amen. This is not a spectating type of church. This is a I came to participate kind of church. I came to participate in worship. I came to participate in offering. I came to participate in prayer. I came to participate in the word. I came to participate in community. This is a participation church. So if this morning something starts working on you, I want you to just take what you got, whatever party favor you were given, and just, just hold it up. Just shake it around a little bit. I want you to take your pom-pom. If it really gets good to you, you can just stand up and you can holler amen this morning. Maybe not have to do it every week and you can shake your pom-pom. But listen, if something really, really, really just gets you and just starts speaking to you good this morning about what God is trying to do in your life, I need you to hold up this finger that says we're not done yet, that we're gonna play until the whistle blows, that my God time is not over, my God story is not over, and I need you to hold it up as a declaration, not to me, not to your neighbor, but to the enemy that you're gonna play the game that God's called you and appointed you to play until the whistle blows. It don't matter if you've got a busted chin strap. I am the an equipment manager. And if I say so myself, I'm a pretty darn good, good one. I will put your mouthpiece back in. I'll put your chin strap back on. I'll do what the Bible says. He's called some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. I'm teaching today. I'm preaching today. I'm going to put your mouthpiece in, your chin strap back on. 
I'm going to straighten your helmet out where the enemy hit you and you've been looking through the ear hole. I'm going to get you back in the game and get you back out there in the game of life to the field of play to what God's wanting to do in your life because you got to play till the whistle blows. You got to play till the whistle blows. Well, today is Oaks Bowl. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Today is the day that we all get to chant and to cheer for our teams. And I can promise you something. After today's game is over, if your team doesn't win and you believe they put forth a half-hearted effort, you will be double upset. Upset that they didn't win and you'll be more upset that they didn't even try to win because they had the skill, they had the team, they had the plays, they had the potential to win the game, but they didn't just show up with the right heart today. They didn't come to grind it out. They didn't come to finish the race. They didn't come to finish strong. They didn't come to play to the whistle blows. They deserve to get beat because they, they were outplayed today. They were outplayed today. Boy, that's a tough pill to swallow when your team just gets outplayed. They've got more class. They've got more speed. They've got more talent. They've got more five-star recruits. But somebody just outplayed them today because of their heart. This sounds a lot like a Denny Duran sermon to me already. This sounds like Pastor Denny in Shreveport. Today, I want to tell you the classical Christian tale of Samson, who I would summarize his life in what a great story that he played till the whistle blew. He, he was committed to playing to the end of the game. Here's Stamp Samson's story to me just, just in a nutshell today. Samson was called, but he was careless with his call. He was a man of great strength, but he also turned a blind eye to his great weaknesses, that, that he was off track and destined for destruction, but he got on track and finished well in God. I, I love the story of Samson because the very first thing that it shows us is a picture of every one of us in this room. Here's a picture of every one of us in this room. It's the very first talking point that I want you to write down today and they're gonna throw it up on the screens for me now. It's the fact that every one of you in here, number one today, you have great potential, but it is mixed with great weakness. I, 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 I just want to show you this from the scriptures here. It says in Judges chapter 13 verses 24 forward, it says, and when her son was born, she named him Samson. This is his mother. And the Lord blessed him as he began to grow. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in Samson while he was still young. And he lived in Manoah Dan, which is located between the towns of Zor and Estol. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Mm, who is she? What's her number? When he returned home to his father and his mother, he said that this young Philistine woman, this young foreigner, this, this, this forbidden fruit, this, 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 this command of God that would, should be guarded against to keep your heart from swaying away from God, she, she caught my eye and she looks good to me and I want her as my wife. And he told his mom and his dad that he wanted to marry her. And his father and his mom, they, they opposed what he was saying. They said, isn't there a woman in God's blessing? Isn't there a woman in our tribe? Isn't there a woman in all of the Israelites? Isn't there a woman that can help you line up with the call of God on your life? Isn't there something inside of the instructions that God has given that you can live through and live by? And, and he says, no, 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 there, there's not. I can't be happy there. I can't be fulfilled there. God's keeping something from me there. 
I want to go outside of what God wants me to have. And I want this Philistine woman, go get her and bring her home to me. I have a great weakness. It's a need in my life and I'm turning a blind eye to it, but I need to fulfill it. Bring her to me. A man who was born by divine promise, a man who was announced by an angel of the Lord, a man whom God chose. Now, check this out. You got to stay with me to really get the meat and the potatoes of the stories of Samson. God chose a man in his imperfection with a weakness to use that weakness, not to become weakness for the flesh, but to become great strength in God, that through that weakness, God would strengthen Samson to walk in victory over, and through that weakness, draw them into a fight with the Philistines so that God could, in the end, deliver them from the bondage of the Philistines by one judge conquering the weakness of his own life if you can conquer this weakness and show the children of Israel that I am a deliverer I will use you to deliver them from their hands God knowing the weakness of said this man has an angelic announcement he's filled with the spirit of the Lord he's dedicated has anybody ever seen Conan and the barbarian does anybody remember the first scene when Arnold Schwarzenegger's out there pushing that grinding meal? He's out there just grinding away. They thought they were breaking him down. They thought they were making him weaker. They thought they were stealing his identity, but with every step he took, he was getting stronger. He was getting bigger. He was becoming bolder. He was becoming more courageous. This is the story of Samson. Man, this man has great potential, but coupled with that great potential like every one of you is also great weakness the bible says in the new testament that 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 we have a hidden treasure it is the new testament's fulfillment of the promise that jesus was given the holy spirit by god the father and that jesus would pour out his spirit not to be with some of us but to be inside of all of us and now we have in these jars of clay that are broken that are dirty that are polluted that are fractured in these jars of clay in this great body of weakness there is a great strength there's a holy spirit there is an indwelling of a habitation from god we have great potential but we also are housed with great weakness we all have that inclination here's the common sense advice that I would tell you about having great potential also coupled with great weakness the very first thing that the Bible tells us to do is is to identify the weak areas to 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 not turn a blind eye to not shy away from to not hide it under the closet to not put it back in a drawer to not keep it out of the sight of god the bible tells us number one to carefully look over our lives and identify the areas of our lives that are weak you see, the, the Bible says countless times over, life has told us that, that wisdom, that knowledge, that information, that knowing you better than anyone else knows you gives you the power and the ability to control you in a way like nobody else can control. You've got to identify this is a weak thought process, this is a weak emotion, this is a weak activity, this is a weak habit. You've got to identify that, and then you honestly got to take some time to consider it. Samson was moving fast. Samson was going at a 
high rate of speed. He knew there was a weakness, but he never took the time to identify, I've got a weakness. I've got a proclivity to forbidden and foreign relationships with women in multiple fashions like God has never called or appointed me to. And I don't care about it. I don't care about identifying it. I don't care about considering it. And so therefore, he was never able to minimize it. Minimize it. You see, what we should do in life is find our areas of strength, find our areas of blessing, find our area of maturity, find our area of gifting, and we ought to throw a harness around that gift, throw a harness around that strength, throw a harness around that endowment from God, and use those blessings to carry us on to further places in life. However, at the same time, when you look and you say, well, I sometimes got a bad attitude. Well, I sometimes am eager to be unforgiving, and sometimes I do this, and Sometimes I feel you have to look at those things and say, number one, I identify you and I'm considering the damage and the destruction you can do to my life. And I've got to figure out a way to minimize that, not pour gasoline on that because that fire needs to get smaller, not bigger. Here's what the Bible says. We must cut off the weaknesses. We all have them of our life. We, we must mitigate the weaknesses of our lives because the truth of the matter is they only exist to cut you off. They only exist to cut you off. L- listen to this. It's, it's from the gospel. It's from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, so if it's your eye that causes you to sin, if it's your eye that causes you to transgress, Well, then pluck out your eye and throw it away. Isn't it better to enter into eternity with one eye than it is to spend eternity separated from God with all of your faculties? What, what, what Jesus is saying is there's going to be things, there's going to be weaknesses, there's going to be issues in your game plan. There's going to be problematic areas in your life, and you've got to figure out where those weaknesses are. It's not your husband's job, it's not your wife's job, it's not your life group leader's job, it's not your couch. You've got to look introspectively at your own life and say, here's an area of weakness, and now I'm going to take some time and think about the death this can cause, the decay it can bring, and I've got to put a plan in place to mitigate that, to minimize that to cut that off because if I let that thing out like Samson let out his lust for foreign women out that thing will take me under just like that lust took Samson under and I now see I got to cut this off because all it wants is to cut me off Jesus said it like this he said your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your soul when your eye is healthy your whole body then is filled with light But when your eye is unhealthy, then your whole body is filled with blackness and darkness. And the light that you think you actually have is darkness. And the greater question is, how dark is the darkness in you? Jesus says, we've got to put a plan in place to harness the strength and to minimize the weaknesses. We've all got strength, throw a harness of God around that and ride that into the best life you have ever been had or ever been promised by God. Those weaknesses in all of our lives, we gotta identify that, consider that, mitigate that, cut that off and begin to move away from that because its only intention is to cut you off from God. 
The second thing we, we see in the story of Samson here, it's another, another great talking point today that I, I want to share with you is that when you compromise, it's a very slow death. And, and if I had time to just read you all of these passages of Scripture right now, what, what ends up happening is, is Samson is being drawn by God to pick a fight with the Philistines because God's wanting to use Samson delivered the, to deliver the whole children of Israel from the Philistines' bondage. And God says, I'm so sovereign and powerful, I'll even use your weakness for foreign women I'll use that to draw you into a fight so the God in you can conquer the wickedness in you and then you can deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines and I God will get all of the glory it's a whole lot to take in, but that's what the Bible tells us. So God begins to use Samson. And when Samson begins to be strong and he begins to develop a reputation and he begins to have, have a name and God begins to use him in the God story of the people of God's life, all of a sudden Samson's weakness comes out because it's not been considered, it's not been mitigated, it's not been identified, and it's a weakness of this woman. And so he goes home and he belly aches, nags, and moans, and groans, and complains to his mom and dad who were clearly opposing him. They were clearly in opposition to what Samson wanted to do. They were trying to put up safeguards and guardrails to keep Samson in the walk and in the plan of God. But Samson wearied them down with his moaning, with his complaining, with his slow death of compromise. Until finally his mom and dad went and arranged the arrangement to be married to this Philistine woman. And when he was there, he had already slain this lion. He tore a lion apart with his bare hands. And one day he passed back by the lion's carcass. And there was a, a honeycomb inside the lion. And so he told a riddle at his wedding day celebration. He said, out of something that came to eat, something sweet has come. Out of the eater has come sweets to eat. And if any of you can solve this riddle, I'll give you 30 of this and 30 of that. And it was a big debt that he would have to pay. Three days into the wedding ceremony, the men of Philistia realized that they were about to have to pay Samson. They were not only celebrating him as a foreigner, being married to one of their children, one of their daughters, which was taboo. Now we've got to give him all this wealth because we can't figure out his riddle. They started complaining and nagging to his wife. She started complaining and nagging to Samson. And Samson, finally getting weary of all of the nagging, he told the riddle to his wife, who then in turn told it to the men of Philistia, who then called Samson out and gave him the answer to his riddle and demanded payment in that process of nagging and weary and a lack of strength and a lack of backbone and a lack of integrity and a lack of an ability to stand up and to stop and to intervene to recognize to identify to consider to mitigate he got further and further and further down the road into the slow death of compromise until it's becoming a habit in his life See, here's a few things that I want you to know about compromise, and I've not even gotten to Delilah yet. It starts harmless. It starts with one wink. It starts with an extra trip by. It starts with one message. It starts with one hit. It, it starts with one peel. It, it starts with one phone call. It starts with, it seems harmless. It, it seems innocent. It, it, it seems like there's no pain in this. Nobody's going to hurt in this. There, there's nobody going to be disappointed. I'm not going to let anybody down. This won't hurt a thing. This is innocent. This is harmless. And then all of a sudden, one day, that, that slow dulling of your senses, that, that slow methodical maneuvering of the enemy to bring you into bondage, all of a sudden springs the trap on you and you look up 
one day in the midst of a divorce, in the midst of a rehab, in the midst of the addiction, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of pain, you wake up and you realize you're now in the scandal line. You're in the trap that the enemy laid for you, but you never saw it was a trap until it had you and you couldn't get out. called the scandal line in the New Testament. I can't get out now. I, I didn't see he laid a trap for me. The story of Delilah works like the pattern I'm already establishing from the Bible in Samson's life. Samson now is divorced from that lady. He's killed Philistine men. He's growing in strength. He's visiting prostitutes in the middle of the night back in foreign countries. By day, he's delivering the nation by night, he's stealing away, fueling his weakness, fueling his addiction. You say, well, I don't really understand how, how both can be, I don't understand how my business can be doing well. I don't understand how the church can be doing well. I don't understand how my marriage, I don't understand. Every, it's, it's really, I mean, nothing's wrong. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All the time not knowing that he was developing a habit and a pattern that would be unchangeable until he one day ended up in absolute bondage. Samson meets Delilah next, and of course she's everything. You know, the enemy's gonna make sure it's everything. It's quiet in this Methodist church this morning. The devil's gonna make sure he's everything. The devil's gonna make sure she's everything. He, he, the devil's gonna make sure you feel everything. The devil's gonna make sure you're understood. The devil's gonna make sure you're affirmed. The devil, he's gonna make sure you can make sure you're in the right. He's gonna make sure, he's gonna make sure it's, it's, you don't even see it coming. It's, it's the one, two, okie doke. It's the you didn't even see it coming. Aha, I got you. Bam! He says, oh, that's her. That's, I want her now. She lays him down. She says, Samson, I love you. Tell me, what's the secret source? Where's the power supply? Samson says, oh, I got to throw her off a little bit. I know how to do this. I've, I've dealt with this slow process of fire starting, of gas lighting, of deflecting, dissing. I've done this my whole life. I know, I know how to do this. I know how to get this off me. He said, oh, all you do is, 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 is you, take, you take seven ropes. You just bind my hand with ropes. So what do you think she did? Same thing the enemy wants to do to you. As soon as you betray your covenant with God, as soon as you betray your secret source of strength, as soon as you betray your commitment to the one who makes you everything that you are today, as soon as you step out of that, all of a sudden, boom. Hey, they're here to get you. Here's the Philistines. He said, boom. They don't have me. The, the relationship don't have me. The sin don't have me. The lifestyle don't have me. The doubt don't have me. The worry don't have me. Look, I'm still Samson. Boom! He lays his head back down in her lap. She says, oh, you made a fool out of me. You, you didn't tell me. He said, okay, I'll tell you now. It's, it's, it's just, it's not seven ropes. It's the seven locks of my hair. You just, you just have to weave them into the fabric of the loom. And then I'll be as powerless as any other man. 
The devil does exactly what the devil does, lures you in, lays you down, lulls you to sleep, tells you everything you want to hear until you're trusting and believing everything is going to be okay, never knowing you're dying the slow death of compromise. Your submarine's got a leaking crack in it, and you're not going back to the top. You're going further to the bottom. All the oxygen is coming out, and then all of a sudden, the devil says, get him. We've got him. Lulled to sleep. We've, we've got it right where I'm still Samson. I've not broken my covenant. Boom. I'm as strong as I ever was. You don't have me. You don't have me sucked into that. I'm not going that way. I'm not buying into that. Our family's not going there. My marriage isn't going there. Because I'm Samson. Because I'm, 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 I'm John. I'm Todd. I'm Bobby. I'm Chad. Boom. <clears throat> Samson, you don't love me. You don't love me. If you love me, you'd put me first. Sounds familiar. I think, I think I know somebody else that said that first. Right? I, I think I know somebody else that said, these are all the commands. They're summed up. The first is to love me first. And the second is to love other people like I've taught you to love me. Love me first. Delilah says, you don't love me first. The enemy says, you don't love me first. You won't sell out. You won't write your parents off. You won't walk out on that marriage. You won't sell out to this addiction. You won't give up on that dream. You don't love me first because you're still going back and forth between the Samson in bondage and the Samson that God's using by his spirit to be a deliverer. You don't know which one you are, but until you settle that, you don't love me. It's amazing how the world can ask for our allegiance. It's amazing how addictions can ask for our allegiance. It's amazing how name brands can ask for our allegiance. It's amazing how where we live and our zip codes and our voting registrars can demand us swear an allegiance and a loyalty to them. But if God comes in and says, be on an agreement with me, be loyal to me, sign up with me, put me first. We say, well, why does he want me to do that? I don't understand what God wants. Nobody else, everything else asks you to do that. Samson, swear an allegiance to me, Delilah said. Finally, because of her nagging. Because of his weariness, because of the slow doling of the senses, the slow death of compromise, he finally believed the lie that he could break his covenant, that he could be super without God in his natural. And he says, here's the deal. I've been dedicated to God since I was a little boy. No razors ever come upon my hair. My hair is not the source of my strength. It's a covenant sign of him being the source of my strength. And if my hair was ever cut, I'd break my allegiance to him. And I would be as weak as any other man because the power of God would be gone from my life. Snip, snip, snip. I got you right where I want you. In bondage, powerless, hopeless, in despair. Here's Samson. Here's Samson. Samson's grinding at that meal. He's grinding at that meal, recounting every worst day, every bad decision, every moment he said yes when he should have said no. He's out there grinding. They've gouged his eyes out now. They're bringing him out as a public spectacle. They're showing him this is the champion of the Israelites. This is the champion. This was the giant. This was the man that slain. Look at him now. God's put him in chains. God's put him in bond. He's our prisoner. Bring him out for sport. Bring out the wine. We got him exactly where we want him. 
Talking point number three is, is this. The greatest tale I can tell you about Samson is he played to the whistle blue. All I can tell you is when Samson was out there grinding at that meal, the Bible says his hair began to grow. What that, what that means is God began to speak. What it means more importantly is Samson began to listen to when God was speaking. And God started telling Samson, I'm not done with you. God started telling Samson, I chose you in spite of your weakness to use you above your weakness. God said, you got to finish your race, buddy. You got to run your race. You got to finish strong. You got to play to the whistle blows. There's still time on the clock, Samson. It don't matter what the score is. We still got 15 minutes to play. You get up on your feet and you get your best heart in this game because I'm not done with you yet. Samson, you got to play to the whistle blows. And the Bible says that as Samson was grinding at that meal, that Samson began to talk to the Lord and that the Lord began to talk to Samson and he began to tell Samson, I don't care what they said. They ain't nobody anyways. I'm here to tell you that I chose you, that I'm not done with you, that I'm going to use you, that your death is going to be more victorious than the years in bondage you live. And the Bible says that when Samson began to talk to the Lord and the Lord began to confirm his covenant with him, that Samson's hair began to grow, the anointing began to return, the strength began to come, the power to speak began to flow, and Samson leaned back with his hands against the pillars, and he pushed the foundations of the temple in part. And the whole Colosseum that they were mocking him in fell. And 3,000 Philistines died that day, and he killed more in his death than he did in his life. Because he played to the whistle blue. The Bible says that God used Samson to conquer his own weakness, to deliver a nation from a form of slavery and bondage. I, I wonder today if God may be saying to you in the midst of your pain, I wonder if God may be saying to you in the midst of your addiction. I wonder if God may be saying to you in the, in the midst of your harmless, innocent, it's, it's not going to hurt anything season, that he's really drawing you into that battle, not to be defeated and to end up in bondage, but that so you can defeat that battle and that your family will be delivered through your deliverance. Your neighborhood will be turned around through your turnaround, that you will see revival and the revival in you will spread to your life group or to your CR group or to your running group or your dance group or your women's group or your men's group or your Bible study or your serve team or your employees or the people around you. I wonder if God may be saying to anybody today, are you still in the game? Are you playing to the whistle blows? Has the large lady sang yet? Because I didn't send the end of the message yet. Here's what I want you to know about playing to the whistle blows. The Bible says God is faithful, even in our faithlessness. The Bible says that he hasn't given up on you 
So don't you give up on him in you. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. If God gave you a calling, if God gave you a gifting, it don't matter what deep dive you've been in, what spiral you've been undergoing, or what backslidden state you're coming out of. God is not an Indian giver. He's not going to take back his love. He's not going to take back his mercy. He's not going to take back his calling. He's not going to take back his blessing. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should repent. He don't have to give and change his mind and take back. What he gave you is your blessing from him in and on your life. And he don't want to see it diminished and dampered. He wants to see it growing and thriving. Walk in the blessing of God on your life. Get back in the game. It may be real estate. It may be land deals. It may be finance. It may be car sales. It may be insurance. I don't know what it is. I don't know what skill, what gifts, singing, worship, preaching, teaching, serving, administrating, helping, worshiping, whatever it is, God gave it to you and he's not taking it back from you. He's not taking it back from you. God's made a covenant with each and every one of us in this room. It's a real simple covenant. It's the cross. It's the cross. The cross on I-20 on the way to Ray. The cross on the front of your Bible. The cross in your car. The cross everywhere you see that cross. That cross sticker in your bathroom mirror. Wherever. The tattoo of the cross. Wherever the cross is, the cross is a reminder to you that God has made a covenant with you. You don't have to look at the rainbow for Noah. You don't have to look at the law for Moses. You don't have to look at the Vedic covenant for David. You can look at your very own covenantal agreement with God. It's the cross of Calvary. It's where God already spoke and said, I'm for you. I love you. I want to save you. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to bless you. I want you to be my child. I want you to spend eternity with me. I want your family restored. I want your business prosperous. All of that is in the gift of his son so that you and I could have abundance and full life in all capacities, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. God didn't die, send his son to save one part of you. God came offering salvation to the entirety of you. God's covenant says today to you, no matter where you're at in this place, no matter what you're dealing with, that I am for you. But you have to identify your weakness. I have the power and the gift and the ability to free you from it, to grow you through it, or to shape you in spite of it. But I can't identify it for you. You've got to identify it in your own life. In my hands, what looks like a scar is going to become a star. What looks like a mess is going to become a message. What looks like a test is going to become your testimony. What looks like your pain is going to become your purpose. In my hands, all things are going to work together for good, no matter what it is, no matter where you've been, and I'm going to use it for my glory, but you've got to identify the weakness. You've got to say, this is where it's at. And today, here's what we want you to do. We want you to stand up on your feet as Pastor Chad makes his way to the front this morning, and we want you to make a decision today to cut off the compromise. You got to cut it off. You got to cut it off.
because the whistle hadn't blown. You're not done. The game's not over. Your future's not yet come. The destiny you had as a little boy, a little girl, it's not been fully discovered. You got to play till the whistle blows. Some of us are just getting flat out played right now. We, we, we've got more skilled players. We've got the best punt return man in the game. Huh? We've got the best coaching staff. <laughs> got the best equipment managers. Got the most talent. We've got the most five-star recruits. Look at this room. Look at these people. Look at the, We got it. Look at it. I like, I like our hand. If, if I could play anybody else's in town's hand, I like our hand. I've said that. I like our hand. I like our running back. I like our wide receiver. I like our equipment manager. I like our coaching staff. I, li- I like it. I like it. I'm all about it. I, I take this team. Truth is, some of us just being outplayed. Being outplayed because we've gotten disheartened. I got, got out being outplayed because the score looks lopsided. Got, got outplayed because we kind of given up because we just kind of thought the guy next to us would push the line. He can't run that ball through that opening until you make me a hole. They can't send that van right out there to pick up all them hurting people in this city until we have enough money to buy new vans. I'm not listening about money. I'm just... We want a barn. Want a barn for youth and kids and all that stuff. Life groups. Don't forget to get out there in the streets and win souls. Can't can't just take care of the ones that come there. You got to always remember that God did it to them to get it through them to the next person. It isn't about I got goosebumps in worship this morning. It's about I got goosebumps. I got to tell you about the goosebumps I got in worship because you need to be in worship too. Amen. I'm going to go watch a football game today, and I'm going to hang out with some people. And I ain't telling you who I'm rooting for, but who I'm rooting for is the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> I'm hoping we get a coach, a quarterback, a running back. No, just, I hope their team gets as deep as ours. <laughs> go watch a game this afternoon, and hopefully I'm going to watch a team that plays their heart out. I respect you if you played your heart out and you lost. But don't come out here with all this skill, all this gifting, all this talent, all this calling, all this money, all this. Don't come out here with all this and get outplayed. Get outplayed by somebody on the other side of the tracks that don't have none of that. And that's why they're hungry. And that's why they're playing so hard. The Bible says to the hungry soul, even the bitter things are sweet. We got to stay hungry for God in our life. We got to stay hungry for the presence of God. We got to stay hungry for the things of God. We got to stay hungry for the call of God. We got to stay hungry to the plan and the purpose of God. The game's not over. Get up on your feet. Play till the whistle blows. Your family's not too far gone. Your dreams aren't too far lost. Your hopes aren't too recoverable. 
that prison sentence can be turned around, that decision from the judge, that addiction can be broken, that family member can come home, that relationship can be put back, that cancer can be healed, that kidney can be restored, that spine can be straightened. It can all happen in God if you play to the whistle blows. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. Push. 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 I'll never forget my football days in high school when we'd get bottled up at the line and the running back would be behind the line of scrimmage. The lineman would say, push, 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 push. You pray until something happens. You worship till something happens. You believe till something happens. Push, push, push. Push on that marriage. You push on those kids. You push on that dream. You push on that destiny. You push on that promise. You push on that hope. You don't let go. You don't lay down. You don't back up. You don't throw in the towel. You ain't got no quit in you because God said, I will see it through to the day of completion. You just get back in the game. You just buckle the chin strap. You just bite down on that mouthpiece. And you just push at that line of scrimmage. Push in that seat of worship. Push in that prayer closet. Push in that Bible study plan. Push in that walk of purity. Push in that road to recovery. You just push. Just push. 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 Father, today, we're here looking at the classical tale of Samson. How you didn't choose him because he had issues. You you, you didn't choose him because he was perfect. You, you, You chose him as a symbol of a man learning to stay dependent and to walk in victory and how that victory would spread from individuals to peoples. God, today, we see ourselves in the great dilemma, living in the tension of having so much greatness, so much potential, so much calling, so many dreams, but at the same time having weakness, having aspiration, having lust, having desires. God, we live in that tension today. We recognize it, we see it, we identify it, and we say, God, today, supernaturally, right now in this moment, I'm pushing to be cut off from the compromise. Draw a line in the sand today, God. Dog ear the page. Start a new chapter. Start a new season in my walk, in my talk, in my journey, in my life, my pursuit of you. Take me into a new place. And I cut that off today. I let it go. I let it go. Her go, them go, they go, he go. I let it go. Shoot, Felicia, shoot. And God, I say today, God, I say today, I'm back in the game. I'm back in the game. I may be grinded at the meal. I may be working in the heat. I may be dealing with the consequences and the repercussions of my missteps and my wrong actions, but God, I hear you talking to me. My hair is beginning to grow. My covenant is beginning to be renewed. My commitment is being concreted and affirmed today in you, God. And and I am going to get back in the gate. 
What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? It's game time. Push. I wish somebody would say, push right now. Push right now. Move. Push. Forward. 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 You get back in the game. You buckle that chin strap up. The whistle hasn't blown. God hasn't counted you out. God hasn't let you go. God's not giving up on you. You push that government. Push right now. Come on. Somebody lift it up to God. Father, today, here's what I believe. Believe you've done a great work in our hearts. Recognizing and identifying, cutting off and mitigating, moving to and walking in this life of abundance that you have for us. I pray that this classical Christian tale and the supernatural work that you've done in the hearts of men and women today, that it would be sealed up in each of their hearts and kept against that great day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, somebody make some noise for God. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise in this place.